Hello, everybody out there in the world. Uh, I'm AJ in Jersey City. I'm Frank in Brooklyn. And we're joined today by Alex Grubard, uh, comedian, host of Weeding Out the Stoned, uh, to talk Spectre. Hello. Yeah, Spectre. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Making me watch Spectre. <laughs> I like well, Bond, so I was I'm all about it, you know. Bond is Have you seen every Bond movie, you guys? I have seen I I I'd say I would probably seen uh like I don't know, maybe 70% of them. I've seen all the Sean Connerys, I've seen most of the Roger Moores. I still haven't seen the Daltons. I'm really excited to watch them uh coming up soon, but uh yeah, I go way back with the series. What about you, Frank? Do you think you've seen all of them? No, I definitely haven't seen them all. Um I'm missing probably the most in the Roger Moore era. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what this project is kind of helping for both of us. We're able to go through them all and uh, and revisit them and, and visit some of the ones that we'd never seen before, <laughs> which is which is yeah. cool. So, Alex, you've seen all of them? No, I'm like you guys. I'd say. <laughs> I, oh, well, I feel like it, it falls into a lot of which era you have seen the least of kind of. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the Daltons. I haven't seen every Brosnan. I have probably the least amount I've seen are the Conneries out of like the big ones. Really? Um, I've, you know, I've seen several, but he has a bunch and I've seen a lot of Roger Moore. I think when I went on my biggest Bond marathon running, it was Roger Moore. Interesting, interesting. Just kind of time and place, like TNT kind of USA <laughs> Network sort of thing. As a kid, this is when I wanted to like Bond was really getting to me. But I've read some of the, some of the books too. Really? How are those? Like we've been talking about them, and like especially when we talked about Casino Royale, like neither of us have read them. Do they hold up compared to the movies? Um, depends what you what you're talking about. You know what they feel like? They feel like a like a middle school read, you know, so that can still be fun as an adult. And I'm sure if you were a middle school boy trying and your parents were trying to get you reading like this would be a, a great series to get a kid hit, hooked on. But they're for they're kind of in today's day and age. I think they're for teenagers. They're not like they're not badly written, but they're not like well written books, you know, and uh, and they're fun in an action movie, you know, kind of you know secret agent story it's a secret agent story it's like a very genre oriented so it's like reading like a treasure island or 1980 not 1984 but like i don't know it feels like something you would kind of read in high school or middle school but it's still fun to like go through on a plane i bet sure you know? yeah i mean that kind of makes sense i feel like the the movies have definitely transcended the books and exactly yeah they don't they have eras like, like I was talking about, like we're talking about with different actors, that thing goes away because it's all the same era. It's all the, it's like the Connery movies, kind of, you know, like, uh, sure, like, you know, but and Casino Royale, though, you know, like it is all these. I haven't read a lot of the short stories, so I've read like Doctor No, and I think. What was your favorite of of the James Bond books that you had read, the Fleming books? Doctor No was definitely my favorite. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that what made the watching the Connery films, like, I think really fully through and of like cognition in like college was like, if you were watching them, they were kind of building up to something. It, it, it is kind of cool. And like to bring us back around to Spectre, like, 
this is like a you know one of those culminating movies um alex you just like jumped in on this uh what did you think of that like it, it kind of did this movie work as a standalone for you um yeah yes it did as a james bond standalone like like episode yeah. uh like yeah i think like that's i think one of the things with bond is uh maybe more than any other series i feel like bond movies are rarely like terrible you know like they're such a genre and they're so distinct and like the epitome of what that genre is and there are so many of them that it kind of gets distilled a little and so it's hard to almost be great but it's hard to be terrible if that makes sense uh you know, so I think like Spectre was working. I like that they went for it for like and did a Spectre movie. Like I like that Spectre had uh it you know had the title role essentially. You know, um, for sure. Bond, I think that's like a cool thing to like do. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Spectre is like as good as a Spectre movie maybe could be or should be, but. I I think it what is working if that makes sense. Um yeah. it's like an enjoyable piece of cinema. Like it's entertaining. Yeah. What about you, Frank? Yeah, I think um it's interesting like we just watched them all in a row over the past few weeks and so everything is very much front of mind, but um it's kind of like in uh in the first in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace they're like, Okay, we're we're gonna start building towards this big Spectre idea. Then they're like, Wait, hold on, let's say let's make Skyfall <laughs> right. which like really stands so well on its own and is a fantastic movie, other than just being a great Bond movie. And then they went back to the the Spectre connected idea and it like just can't help but feel a little underwhelming. Um and like as we were talking before we started recording, like I feel like uh, this movie, like in second or in third watching, is not as good as the first time, which is kind of rare. And with Bond, Bond is so rewatchable, you know? Right. Like, that's part of it. So it is weird to kind of have that, I think. Yeah, I think almost everything struck me as the lesser a lesser version of a scene I had I rem- seen in like the previous three Daniel Craig right. uh, Bond movies. I haven't, I saw Casino Royale pretty recently again. And just again, probably the third time watching it blew me away. Still fucking everything is so gripping. I love it. Uh, you know, I think Casino Royale is like a fun, just one of the best Bond movies like ever. Um, and so, yeah, for, like you said, underwhelming is probably how I would put Spectre. It feels kind of just like another book on the shelf. Um, kind of, you know, it's so long. It's it so was really long. long. It was two and a half hours. Like I fell asleep last night watching it. So I had oh, to no. pick it up again this morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's long. I, I like that this movie is as beautiful, you know, I guess, uh, as they could do as a follow-up to Skyfall. Uh, And it it certainly looks awesome. And I liked the upped action. Like, I think that the action in this movie, like, just how much you get is definitely, you know, more abundant than what you had in um, the last entry. But it just all felt like it it felt so... um, 
easy. Like it didn't feel like anything was ever really at, you know, stakes. And and like they were trying to make this all about big stakes. Right. And I was really excited to see, you know, some of the stuff that you get in this movie. Uh, particularly like the reoccurrence of some characters that had shown up in the earlier films. Uh, but it was, I, I don't know. I think it was a little too long and a little too, uh, a little too bond. Like it was, is there something to be said about how awesome Casino Royale is kind of shunning every major, uh, you know, p- a bullet point in a bond film mm. to the, you know, to the point where we're really stripping him away of pretty much everything. And then you take this movie, and this movie kind of, this movie could have been a Brosnan movie, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely could have been. Yeah, a different, a different era. It felt like the shots were good in the way that like a Daniel Craig one was, and like a lot of the wardrobe was very like Daniel Craig. But you're now you're like thinking about how it's the bullet points for a Daniel Craig movie, like you're kind of saying like. Uh, yeah, definitely just it's a kind of a forgettable movie, especially for being the, theoretically the tentpole in this, you know, era of Daniel Craig. If, if it's maybe supposed to be one of the biggest ones of the five that are going to come out with him or uh, it definitely doesn't feel that way. I mean, Skyfall is so awesome. One thing I thought yeah. this movie did, it, it was still hitting those notes. So it was still entertaining to me. They had just already been done like. One thing I noticed was it opens with, and a lot of the movie really is just very quiet, uh, yeah. and like you, it's a lot of action. But like, I'd be, I'd wonder if this had like the least amount of dialogue amongst the past several Bond films or something. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because there's barely a plot. So like, <laughs> right? You know, they're not really telling you what's happening. They're just kind of like, all right, he's on this this goose chase that. Uh, kind of set off uh you know with the events of the last movie and and that's really it um i don't know um aj do you want to walk us through the the plot of the movie real quick just like a description we've been doing that lately and i feel like it okay. kind of helps center us okay the the <laughs> the shortest plot description of this film it would be i think um m leaves a message for bond to follow one of the arms of a larger evil organization called Spectre. In doing so, he meets and I would say, you know, begins the romantic relationship with one of his, these killers, uh, daughters. At that point, he's introduced to reintroduced, excuse me, to the villain who turns out to be his, like a, his stepbrother at who is colluding with MI6 to take over central intelligence through a program called Nine Eyes, which essentially is like Skynet for intelligence based in the new version of uh, British intelligence. And Bond has to stop them, of course. I don't know. There's stuff I left out, right? Yeah, but that was a good good. short pitch, I'd say. (laughs) But it's just like... Part of it is it feels so like it's it should be this big like menacing plot like that he's unearthing uh, you know these this great secret like if M knew this before she died why did she tell wait to tell him <laughs> like it just seems like yeah. a big uh, you know loose end they definitely had a problem shifting uh, characters because like that's I guess a big problem with like trying to 
introduce i mean bond's done it pretty well over the past is like introduce these new versions of q and m and etc over you know a period of time and they had it with you know refines and stuff in this one uh but they were trying to ship people and i feel like that didn't work either when you're also trying to do this like big operation and yeah you're right there's no stakes i mean it he also i i love christoph waltz and i mean anything he's in he's always fun the happiest nazi yeah, exactly. He's like always super fun, but I definitely got that feeling of like they just do, uh, you know, people just people with interesting accents, like great character act- actors with interesting accents is like how they're casting Bond villains now. Like that's all you that's need. True. Like he didn't really have a big thing like Bond. And, you know, eventually he does get like burned. But, yeah. uh, you know, like. Their jaws are made of steel, or they've got a star <laughs> over their fucking eye, and no, uh, you know, iris and stuff. And it's like he doesn't have any of that stuff. Like, was what is one of the last people in like a Brazen one? It's like he had a bullet in his brain or something like that. What was yeah. those? I don't yeah. know. I mix up, I mix up all those things, and that's what I mean by the diluting of Bond movies. Sometimes is that like I can't remember which thing happened in each movie. But it's that memorable moment. It's that thing that you remember that's so defining. And I don't feel like I would remember much about Spectre besides that Christoph Waltz was in it. And that's really – and then it's Spectre, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Said, was, and, with, and with that, we're moving into spoilers territory because <laughs> we don't want to – we have to talk about the whole craziness of this plot, which I think is inherently what's wrong with this movie. I, I don't know if there's – a ton of the the stunts are act are really awesome. The locations are fun. It's a cool movie in that it has some similarly to Skyfall. It does have some really nice shots of some cool new places uh, that bring back you know the Bond films of old that travel around. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, Frank, are you ready to talk spoilers? Yeah, I'm ready to talk spoilers. I think we can dive in. Okay. Um. So I think. Uh, you know, when you start this when you start this movie, the opening sequence is, is phenomenal. I think it's one of the best ones ever. I really I love it. Um, but it's very similar to like a lot of the most more recent opening sequences where whatever Bond is doing in this opening sequence is in front of or near the public. Right. And I think it's interesting that they went in this direction because it makes Bond much more a part of our world, which I never felt in the older movies. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Like Mexico City, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's Day of the Dead. So it's costumes. It's like, you know, it's gorgeous. It is a gorgeous movie. And that is, I don't think anyone says anything directly for at least 10 minutes, it seems. I mean, like. He goes a long time. He he goes up. He walks through a whole crowd. He goes up through a building. Goes onto a roof. He sets up a sniper. He watches these people. Right, like that's, you know, it was cool. You know, I mean, he does. I I was in it for a while, and, you know, that it was. It's a beautiful movie. I mean, like it's Sam Mendes. Like they do good stuff. You know, it's they knew what to hit already. It's like too late. You know, I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they like focus. They went back to basics like in Casino Royale, you know, and like that's working. But, you know, you know that uh, it was already done better in Casino Royale, you know. 
Yeah, I feel like that's like this movie has so many great set pieces kind of in a row and so much awesome action that I feel like it when the movie's supposed to like pick up and the plot kicks into gear would be like when he goes and finds Christoph Waltz or Blofeld, like and he goes to his like mansion place and it just like grinds to a halt and like it never picks itself back up. And I think that's like one of the like you you're waiting for the movie to start after that, and it just like n- doesn't go anywhere. I, I agree, and yeah. the I think the rapid like the rapid fire action sequences of this movie, like they kind of they kind of stop after a while, and then you don't really kind of pick up the next one until like the fourth act, right? Like, and you know, uh, oh, we can't we can't even get there yet. We got to okay, Sam Smith and the opening song. Um, I like the, I like this one. I think this was the opening. It was a cool opening credits, but they've all looked the same for this new Daniel Craig version. And mm-hmm. I, and I think that they could have gone with something a little more abstract mm-hmm. and maybe something a little bit different. And they all kind of have this very extraordinarily similar look. Yeah. I mean, the only one that stands out is the one in Casino Royale, like that, that one's so bright and different. And then the rest of them all just like dark and, but I mean, they're better than uh, the ones in the Pierce Brosnan era, for sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, those were silly. It's, like, weird who even did those, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, 3D digital animation proto uh, uh, funny. CGI but, stuff. Yeah, again, it's like I just was reminded of how big a hit Skyfall the song was. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, re- I remember now... Like last night watching this movie, and by the time the song got there, I was kind of like, "Oh right, a song, yeah." I'm already, I was like already out. <laughs> like I, I think I already like remembered Spectre enough to like not know that it was not memorable. I don't know. I was already like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Yeah, what and, dude, bro. Um, when you check in, I I guess with uh, M and the gang in. London, I think, is like supposed to be fun, but it, it just doesn't feel fun. And like, it's always that Bond is getting yelled at in the Daniel Craig era. They're never like, "You did so great! Like, you you saved all these people. Or you're gonna get a medal or something." It's always like, "Damn it, James! <laughs> what the <Yeah>. fuck? <laughs> you're a rebel." Yeah, yeah. I know. How there many was times also something he, like... about just seeing M on a screen that was like, "Come on, they're doing Zoom meetings and <laughs> bonds." In 2015 is the last thing I want to say. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean that I, definitely sucks. It's cool to have Judy Dench back for that brief scene, and like the, right. one of the things I loved about Skyfall was this um, awesome music that they have that, like, when, whenever someone's dies <laughs> like it's yeah. real beautiful music and they have it over her like when they're when she's talking at him and it's like a really cool callback but at the same time like like i said before it's just like here's the plot of the movie like follow this lead and um it yeah i don't know it, it, it's like why did it have to be her why couldn't it have been given from the new m yeah uh, good good question i i don't know um because you need ray fines to still be an outsider to yeah Daniel Craig's world, right? Exactly. You, you know, like, and that's, I don't know. So let's let's talk about Ray Fiennes for a minute as M. I think he's trying very, very hard. And I think it, like, shows, and it's like, it's not, I don't know. Like, I, I want him, I wanted to see him do, I want to see him do good. 
And like, I love him in Skyfall because like you see his kind of like origin story and this one, like I would have liked him to trust James a little bit more. And he just kind of, he feels flat. What do you think, Alex? Uh, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. I mean, yes. I love Ray Fiennes. So I, I don't feel like he's the right person to kind oh. of, you know what I mean? I think it's just not, it's almost like one of the, like going Dame Judy Dench was such a fucking awesome move. You know, sure. And that was like how, like almost thirty years ago, twenty five years ago, or whatever now, right? That and it was necessary. And I remember that being a big deal. And going just to a great actor and not an interesting choice for the, you know, head of central intelligence. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> going to Ray Fiennes is like it's just being like fucking. It's Voldemort, man. Like yeah. You know? Like oh, it's so British. And not interesting, you know, uh, not like this is a progressive company. Like it makes me go like, what? this is a f something that makes it like stand out. It just feels like you're throwing another guy, you know, it's like throwing another person named James at a late night show. It's just like, I don't sure. know. I don't need Ray Fiennes there. So, I mean, that's kind of not sitting well with me, I guess, the whole time. I just like it's not screaming to me as like a, this is a superior uh, of James Bond or of Daniel Craig. It, to me, it's like, this is an equal and that you need a little status, you know, you need some experience. Like I, I need that role to be like John Lithgow or somebody, or, you know, I need somebody, uh, I need Ooh. a Winston Churchill at least. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I feel like because he's sort of his equal, you don't really have that like same level of respect that, uh, Bond would give to Judy Dench, right? Like it's like even though he's trying to follow orders, but also doing his own thing. Like it's just sort of like, all right, I'm gonna hang up, and then I, uh, okay, Q, make me disappear. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, he would do that with with Judy Dench, but I think there's still like some sort of respect that he gave her. I don't know. Yeah, the mother hen quality that uh, a, a character like that, you know, would give like an actress like that gives to bond is you know is a wonderful relationship status you know and she's and like, warranted to give shit to bond in the way that like you know she brings him on he was just learning how to do it you know once really you know uh mallory m the ray fines guy comes in you know he has like some experience but like think of all the crazy shit m did with pierce brosnan like if that's the chronological tracking, like she's already done crazy shit. We understand and respect her. Like this movie needed, I think, and it does have him in a pretty large role. Like again, like M is a really big part of the plot of this movie. Uh, but it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't give him enough to do to like step up. So I'm hoping in the next film, like he's kind of like culminated so that he can continue on. Cause I don't think that they're going to, totally recast or do anything or like cancel anything. So I, and I want him to do well. I think, I think he's so great, you know? Uh, but I, I hope that he gets more to do and like, or at least to fulfill more of a classic M role. Maybe. I know he's like too lovable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that finds, but like when he's a villain or an authority figure or something, like he needs to be like, absurd like Voldemort or something like for some reason he's believable as a super villain or you know machine or something like that 
but not, I don't know. But if he's like just in charge, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't like it's not like working super well for me. So I like, you know, but I mean, I love him. And yeah, if he's there for, you know, 10 films, I think it all starts to kind of work together. I think that is one thing that Bond does well is that they do usually commit to several films and they they take big swings and commit to them for a, a long period of time. Like for movies, that's huge. Nobody does that. No other film franchise goes on for decades and it's kind of all canon, you know, like and it, and there's more than like, you know, you could say that for Star Wars, but there's only nine of them. How many fucking bonds are there? Like 29, 27, 25, Yeah. Yeah, and like I think with with uh, Mallory, like in the last movie, we have to be convinced to like him, right? Like in the beginning, he's coming in and he's gonna take away M's job and everything, and so like here it is, like again, we're doing the same thing. Like we've got this new guy C that's coming in is like, okay, we're shutting you down. So like immediately, we're of course on Mallory's side, and so like we just got to know him, and it feels a little too soon to be like okay, we trust you, everything, and now we're against this other guy that's trying to take over. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, when we... So, okay, so Bond is, you know, he's discharged, can't do what he wants to do, whatever. He meets up with Q. Uh, I, I like this Q, and I like this scene, and I like this car. Yeah. What do you guys think? I like the car a lot. It's great. It's beautiful. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, the, so Aston Martin DB10, um, tricked out kind of the way a Fast and the Furious car is tricked out in some ways. You know, you almost expect to see like the NOS someplace in there so we can go <laughs> blazing through the 3D screen. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Ben Wishaw. I'm, I'm down with him. I think, I think, and I think his role in the movie is cool too, that he gets to assist Bond more. Um, and he's more of a, uh, a you know he's more of a quartermaster he's more in his corner you know kind of the guy behind the screen you know he's he's doing his part to make sure bond succeeds what do you guys think yeah i like that it wasn't just like a one and done here's your shit you know <laughs> right here's all the stuff you might need yeah like that's fun uh that they like threw in some stuff there uh yeah yeah, I mean, I, I really liked him in the last movie, and it's interesting that they give him a bigger role here, and he's, like, involved in the, the plot a little bit more. But, like, I feel like last time it was much more, okay, he's just a hacker, and this is what he does, and now they've, like, given him, like, way more to do. And then there, there's, like, also a throwaway line in the last movie that's, like, he's afraid of flying or something, so he doesn't go anywhere. But, like, now he's, like, going all the way into the alps or wherever and <laughs> just like yeah i'll go skiing no big deal i'm not afraid anymore mm -mm. yeah and he's on that big crazy like uh ski lift thing yeah what the fuck that's not consistent at all no. <laughs> um okay yeah but i uh, i like that he was like analyzing the thing and uh i, I like that he comes around for the ride he's like you're on to something 007 i like i like that scene that was a good scene for me um yeah, and then I think where I think the movie is like really great up to this point is when they get to Mr. White, right? Like once mm -hmm. you get to Mr. White and you have this kind of revelatory scene, uh, which again, I've been watching all these movies with the closed captioning so I can see exactly what they're saying. Uh, 
you know, I think it it does kind of meet up with this guy who we've tracked through actually Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. We kind of lose track of him and whatever's going on with these guys in Skyfall. But I like picking back up with him and I like how his part in the plot kind of sets up where we go forward. And I didn't need much more of him either. Like I was fulfilled with what he did, but I think where the, where I think I would have used him differently was I would have done this later in the film, having much more build up to meeting with Mr. White because he's the guy we've actually seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What did you think, Frank? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, it's hard because we've seen him in the, the the first two movies, but like ultimately he he doesn't say all that much, and we didn't know that much about him, and so I feel like this was just like okay, actually we're gonna use him as a linchpin to, to Spectre, um, which I think ends up working pretty well. It's kind of like interesting that the the way that they went was the, way, the reason he was found was like because he was dying, and you know he basically this ring that he had was like he lost his status and then it was passed on to the next guy and passed on to the next guy, et cetera. And, um, yeah, I, I liked having him there. It's, uh, it's kind of hard. Like I wish they had more of a relationship through the movies and like a more of a antagonist to each other, more, more lines to each other. Cause it, it felt like, you know, we finally got it here and that was it. Right. Like if you had put this a little bit later in the movie and like the scene between them is like, you know what's going on and then bonds like everybody you've ever known like who's been chasing you like they're all a part of it it's all specter it's all of everybody together like that's a huge that's a much bigger payoff than like kind of what you get and it, it you know he you know, he ends his life really quickly so he's out of the picture for the complete next part of the movie but it, it does give birth to i think the you know one of the better parts of this movie, which is uh, the female lead in Madeline Swan, played by that beautiful French lady. Leah Sadu. Yeah, Leah Sadu. She's awesome. And I really like what they do with her character in this film. It looks like she's going to be a big part of the next movie, too. Um, what do you guys think of her as a Bond girl or what? Or her her involvement at this point? Yeah, I thought she was, she was good. Yeah, I thought that was cool. You know, I like... Uh... The idea of continuing, you know, on to the next film, having a Bond girl in multiple, multiple movies and stuff, you know, I think there's like, a, I mean, as we're talking about it, I just kind of feel like, you know, watching this movie before Skyfall, you know, if you just run through Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Spectre, and then Skyfall, you'd fucking, and then uh, No Time to Die, probably, we'll see what how that falls in like a watch order, you know, it's kind of how I'm thinking these right now. <laughs> yeah. You're setting up your blockbuster party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like her. I think that she was a good match for him. And it was interesting because for the past couple of movies, you don't really have like the clear, like, uh, excuse me, the traditional, uh, female lead for a bond film, right? Like, you have a traditional female lead, but they're in Quantum of Solace. It's not a love story, right? He's just, you know, brooding about Vesper the whole time. In Skyfall, we both, Frank and I agree that actually the Bond girl is M and that there isn't a true, you know, like the other, uh, you know, 
Severine. She's she dies quickly, which is you know very unfortunate. Um, she was using all the marketing, which is interesting, but she's not she's not in it for very long. This girl is like more classic, like traditionally to what Bond was doing with. But I also think she kind of breaks the mold for who they are too, and in a cool way. What did you uh, you have anything to speak to that point, Frank? Yeah, no, I like her a lot. I think um, you know she's got that. Uh, she's got a connection to the the plot, which is crucial, and then she and to his past. But like she, they they do this thing where it's like she doesn't want anything to do with him for a long time, and she feels like she can take care of herself. And ultimately, like the reason that she gets involved in everything is because of Bond. Um, you know, like if he didn't go find her, they probably wouldn't have found her. Um, and you know, it it's one of those plots that uh, romance plots that as the movie goes on, they really start to click and connect and they share some of their histories together. And like, you know, you've got this awesome scene when they're uh, in Tangier and in the, the, um, the hotel. And like, she's like, don't you even think about it. And like closes the, the drapes and like passes out and like, you know, the, the will they or won't they kind of things start to question there. And yeah, I, I feel like, such great tension. Such great tension, but like by the end of the movie, when like she says like "I love you" or something, it doesn't quite feel that earned. So I'm glad that they're continuing on to have her in the next movie to you know further that you know their relationship because that's something that really doesn't happen in a Bond movie. They don't really carry over. No, and you know I think when you when you meet her in her office, like she's you know yeah cool and and you know doesn't want anything to do with this shit obviously bothered by the whole you know uh, suggestion that she would be you know want to deal with this stuff and then she's just kind of taken and like thrown around and bond just like goes after her and saves her and i'm like believing it and i'm rooting for you know him to get her and make sure he's safe and then something you know when we get to this next part where bond finally you know figures out where we need to get to to get to the next part of the movie is he's just busting down, you know, doors. There's a ton of false entrances, fake doors and like alludes to like older kind of spy shit. And I, and I like that. Um, but it feels so departed from what Daniel Craig has done. Uh, I also would have liked to seen what was on the Vesper tape. I think that would probably be very interesting. Um, and I would have liked to hang out more in the cool, scary room. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thus, thusly we cannot, and yeah. you know we're the whisked away too long. <laughs> yeah, then, right. You wanted the movie to be longer. Yeah, but they could have cut away from other stuff. Room? Yeah, I like that room. It was fun. I was excited about it. Uh, <laughs> where where was the crater? Um, it was somewhere in North Africa. Okay, because they were in Morocco, then they took a train deeper into Africa. Okay. And that's where they have the great fight with Batista. Okay, so we, we have to talk about Mr. Hanks. He's yeah. great. He's so good. Yeah, I was really looking forward to Batista everything in this movie, and I could have used a lot more Batista. <laughs> that was, uh, was pretty dope. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw it, I was really excited to have him here. And, like, he doesn't say anything, which is so uh -huh. perfect. Um, I remember the first time being like, man, he doesn't have any lines, but I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> but I also was like, oh man, he just gets thrown off the train, but I'm like, maybe he's still out there and I'm hopeful. He's definitely still out there. One day we'll see him again. Yeah. I hope they give him lines actually, cause he can do it. And I mean, it, he can do both. 
But like, uh, you know, he's fun. I think Batista is, uh, you know, I mean, he's all, he's a lighter version of the rock. He is fun and huge and like has some charisma, you know, uh, he can do action pretty well. I like how they set him up. You know, I think that there's always the, so Alex for the podcast, we have a category in our rating system for physical antagonist, right? Because mm-hmm. if you watch enough Bond movies, you realize that there's usually the villain, but the villain and Bond rarely ever like fight. You know what I mean? Like rarely do they ever like come to blows. It's usually like some other guy like Jaws or Odd Job or again, Hinks is like the most perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I really like his introduction um, where they're at the big Spectre meeting in Rome earlier on in the film. Right. Uh, and I and he like gouges this dude's eyes out with these like metal thumb thingies uh and then he splats the guy's head all over the place it's terrifying riveting scary scary stuff yeah the uh, guy is literally just like why should we follow you eyes <laughs> <laughs> <is> fucking <laughs> uh, scooped out uh, so fucked up <laughs> i wonder if this was like before or after it aired like on game of thrones uh oh that's a good question i mean I, obviously the, like Spoilers for Game of Thrones, but that stuff happened in the books, so I think either way it would have been written in the books first, but still, it's like a lot of head exploding stuff. <laughs> yeah. I So when they get to the fight on the train, I just feel like it was a, like, it is shot really awesome. Like, the cleanness, you can see each part of the fight. I love when Batista hits the rail and the cabinet comes down on him. Uh, I just wish that they had kept him around. Like, I, I think he, you could have used, I could have used so much more of him. I hope they bring him back. Uh, Cause he's, it's so riveting to watch him and Daniel Craig fight. Yeah. Um, it was really, it's really awesome. Uh, well, I lo- also love like before that, I love the, the car chase. Like, yeah, the car chase is great too. And you know, it, it, they go th- all through Rome and it's, it's like so beautifully shot too. Um, it's, it's a really, it's awesome and like it sets up no traffic in Rome that night. No, no of course traffic. not. Well, inspectors <laughs> right. in, in control, so they they shut everything down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, once we get him on the train there, like the other thing that's funny is like in this movie, there's they always take like a single sip of a, a drink. It's like, oh man, he just made these perfect martinis, and then he like everything like, just <laughs> throw yeah. it in his face. <laughs> that is, that is a common reoccurrence. Um, yeah, so. You know, they're on this awesome train. They have this great kick-ass fight. And then there's a, a shot that they've used for Daniel Craig in the Daniel Craig films, which is usually Daniel Craig in a suit against a desert. I think there's a shot of that in, like, every single one of these movies. That's hilarious. Uh, and he's working. Working for me. Yeah, he's like, I like it. I like the, the pop of my blue suit. I think it looks good. Right. Um, and then they bring back a... Uh, a 1944 Rolls Royce Wraith. Is that what it is? Uh, it's sure. so cool. And they go over to the hideout for, I think, easily the most disappointing part of this movie. Uh, Blofeld and Christoph Waltz. Um, yeah, let's talk about this. Um, I think the lair is very cool. And I'm very excited and I was very intrigued by the meteorite. You know what I mean? Like, you get into the room and you're like, oh, like, we're about to see, and Mendez had already done this before, an aria, when we meet 
uh, Silva, he does what Mendez called an aria, where he gives this whole big speech about the rats, and it's this great shot where he comes in, and then immediately after that, you know, you're in tuned with Silva's character, you know what's gonna, you know kind of what his whole deal is, and you kind of move along. When we meet in the meteorite room, they don't say anything. And this part of this movie is so frustrating to me. The talky-talky parts don't deliver at all. There's, right. It just feels so forced. It doesn't feel earned. There's no threat. And uh, I don't know. Uh, Frank, when, you got into, when we get to the meteorite room, like what, like where, does your, where do your feelings go? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Like the, the idea that, oh, everything is connected and I'm working with the, the sea guy whom you've never seen us together – um, and this big plot is like super scary and Skynet is going to happen. It just doesn't feel earned and it like, it doesn't feel threatening. Like it, it made it really easy to f get found, you know, like I, I know that, um, we are introduced to, uh, Oberhauser in, in the big room with, um, all the specter guys. And that was a really cool introduction. But like after that, it just, his like menace level and his threat level just way goes down he's just like he's he doesn't like there's nothing he says like in that opening scene where he's like threatening to bond i felt like and then so you go in and you see like his little nerve center where everyone's looking at these little screens obviously it's you know he's been working with this you know he reveals he's been working with c the whole time by james probing him they have this horrible two-way where you know you know, he's like, why did I thought you came here to die? No, I came here to kill you. Like, oh, my God, it's horrible. Yeah, that. um, that's bad. Um, yeah, they get to the scene where finally, like, it's revealed, you know, where Mr. White kills himself to his daughter on the screen, which I, I just think, you know, it was a weird choice. Um, I I think this is a, a part of the movie where they really could have benefited from some more retconning of like using this like intelligence you know system to show james just how much he was the author of all his pain uh and i never felt like they delivered on that he just says that he does yeah he um, blandly does. does too especially for like christoph waltz who he kind of like you know it's a, i don't know if it was a choice or a direction or whatever but he's just kind of like yeah it was me and you're like <laughs> yeah what, what you don't even seem to care Right. And he's and, like, yeah, I'm your brother. What, like, what is all that? <sighs> and we don't really understand why he hates his little brother so much. Like, like, there's just like, oh, you came in the whole like cuckoo thing, and you know, you push out the the other hens or the other chicks, and it's like, re like that's it. You don't like that you came into this family, and now you're gonna like murder everybody he knows. You're a psychopath. Like, he knows exactly why. It sounds like he's been through all the therapy and it's just like, yeah, I mean, I know the terms. I just still want to fucking kill you. <laughs> I hurt you so much. It just, it's so weird. Like, and I think that the reason they can't do, you know, the flashbacks is because of, like, Austin Powers. And I don't get why they did this. Like, to me, this just feels like it felt i remember watching it it feeling super weird like in the theater being like what are they really no they can't be really implying that right like they haven't shown that we don't know that like from casino royale we start out james bond is an orphan he doesn't have brothers or sisters 
you know, and then we get right. to this, you know, point where it's revealed that not only is it this dude who we haven't seen do anything is responsible for everything and has the, probably one of the biggest ties you can have to someone other than, you know, being married to them, you know, being somebody's brother or sister. And it just feels super, it just felt super weird. I'm excited. So this is why I'm excited to see him return because you see from the trailers that he comes back. I'm glad that they're going to use him and develop him more. I'm very hopeful that Christoph Waltz can deter can deliver another fierce, terrifying villain to his pantheon of great character acting. No doubt in my mind. But I think that what they did here is like such a disservice to everything that they had been building on. Really, like to make this to have it be this comparable to Austin Powers is laughable, and it's it that's fucking weird. Yeah, it just is what Doctor Evil is. Like he just is Doctor Evil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might as well have a PhD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might as well. Like it could, they could have easily just turned things on its head and like started cracking jokes left and right, and it would have been felt more natural than what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Give I... Christoph Waltz like a real sense of humor, and I bet it adds a ton of terrifying characteristics to his personality. Yeah. He's also he's played so flat. Like the whole character doesn't have any emotion. Like what's so fun about his performance in Inglorious Bastards as Lanza is that his range of emotions playing this Nazi character is something you'd never seen before on cinema, right? Like we you never see a Nazi squeeing with glee, you know? Like right. you you never seen that. So to see him just play this like flat, you know, dude in, in the suit that they made him wear because reasons, like it it's just it. it all right, let's talk about the torture chair. Can we talk about the torture chair? Oh yeah, sure. Um, is that real? Was it real? Like, did they? I didn't watch the special features on this one because I, I was late on the movie watching. But like, did anyone feel like like the little army guys? They couldn't have been real, right? The little drill thingies. That's uh, not real. Yeah, no, nah, I don't think so. No. I mean, it's all special effects of some kind, like. Um... I don't think they're actually drilling into Daniel Craig. No. This franchise so. begins with them wailing on Daniel Craig's nuts with a rope. <laughs> right. How did we get to the CGI chair? Yeah. Like how far we had, how far they had fallen. Like, and the, I like the idea that it's like, like his, you know, pinpointing these areas in your brain that will fuck you up. I, I'm sure that I'll go back to the disc and I'll see that there's like special features or hopefully deleted scenes where they're talking about, you know, how this crazy contraption works and, you know, doing a little bit of expo, which I I want out of this cool thing. If they're going to make it cool, you have to tell me why it's cool or show me. And it just feels so fake and so weird. And like he's fiddling with his watch the whole time. So it's ne you're never like, oh, he's not going to get out of this. Uh I don't know. Uh, the cat, the cat was, uh, the cat. Why did they do Mr. Bigglesworth? Why? Well, because mm -hmm. Blofeld had a cat. Like, so like they're trying to get back to the continuity of it all. Be like, all right, well the original Blofeld, like, you know, the thing about these movies is like, they're all kind of an origin story to the bond that we know from the earlier days. And so if you have like, you're waiting for Blofeld to get the scar, you're waiting to see him with this cat because that's who the character is. Um, but you're right, like because it was spoofed in Austin Powers, it's really hard to recover from. So 
he gets out of the so here's why that like is worse because he leaves the uh um that like the the scary chair in that room with Blofeld like in Austin Powers and like movie like there's a somebody online put the scene where like James Bond beat for beat l- escapes with the Austin Powers music and it's like it's perfect cuz it's ridiculous he just gets out he just leaves <laughs> you know there's four inept guards that he just deals with and then he runs away in a helicopter and they have to show you the wide shot that there are more helicopters and then he just leaves uh it's weird it's really weird and the whole place explodes but never is he like okay i really need to make sure that this guy is dead like he just assumes he's he's, he killed him and then he goes back to london to stop the rest of the plot which barely feels like it's happening it's really really strange the fourth act is rough yeah um the fourth act is rough um you know you get in so just to keep this moving we we get back to london um c is about to turn on the machine at this point q and m and money penny and tanner have all kind of met up and have formed you know the b team avengers to you know run around and help james bond through the end of the movie uh to ultimately you know uh have madeline swan break up with bond you know, leave only to be captured again, found at the old scary MI5, which they had set up earlier that's being demolished, and this very nice net. Uh, Perfectly placed this. net. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a great net. Uh, <laughs> this is a great net. Uh, a net in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> um, then... I think the only good scene is with Christoph Waltz is the one behind the glass. Uh, and it just feels so, it feels weird. Um, all right. What do you think of the fourth act of this movie guys? I mean, it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. Pretty forgettable, but he's just, I mean, a whole movie just kind of like, yeah, like you said, it just kind of like leads nowhere. I mean, once you kind of get to the big, part the beginning is is fine it's all set up it's it's fun enough but once you start getting to the real like grit of you know blowfeld and everything it just kind of the helicopters like even just the focus on helicopters in this movie was kind of like bland everything feels bland like who cares um it does it diminishes how awesome and memorable the opening is with the helicopter right and it's yeah. also kind of weird to see London at night. Like, I don't know if that's something that's really been done before. It just doesn't, it feels so dark and, and it doesn't feel like London's the character that we know. Um, and like, it, I don't know. To me, it's like if we see at the end of the movie, like Chris, uh, Blofeld gets captured and he's like, uh, you know, cut off one head two more take its place you know like hydra yeah like it would be it would feel like oh like you're capturing me but you still haven't stopped specter there's way more out there that you can't but like it just kind of ends and it's like i guess the point is that bond chooses not to kill him and that's kind of notable especially since he's kind of his brother um but it just yeah it leaves you wanting more in so many ways 
the helicopter stuff is crazy. I mean, I'm remembering that fight in the helicopter where it's about like crashing, and that was during the day, so it was even just a drastic difference. Because I remember, yeah, when they're in the boat shooting at the helicopter, thinking like, "This is so dumb." Shooting at a helicopter with a handgun at night. At night, <laughs> at night. you're far away. It's not like you would have to be. How close would you have to be for that to even make sense? And then it does destroy the helicopter i mean it's like it and the helicopter to, perfectly what, lands on the bridge yeah it's yeah. still it was like once he started going down it was like well i mean how is this gonna even there he's gonna survive this and you know i don't know if i'm just subconsciously remembering the movie or whatever but yeah they land on the bridge they just it just takes out the landing gear <laughs> or whatever yeah. so and he pulls him out and Okay, so I think this movie suffers, and I've been thinking about this for a minute, okay? This movie suffers from Rise of Skywalker Syndrome, that there's no quotable lines, all right? Mm-hmm. Everything is just a cliche that they say at th- most of this movie. And uh, you're hoping for the last couple lines where Daniel Craig is about to explain, you know, to him why he's not going to kill him or what's about to happen, and it just feels like they opened the big book of cliches. They picked one and they threw it in there and they have James walking away. And I, I, I wish that there was something quotable about it. I wish that there was something so much more memorable other than wanting to go on to the next beat. Um, it just feels like each movie that we've seen, Frank, like there's a good movie and then there's a reaction movie and then there's another good movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's very rare you get two great James Bond movies back to back. Yeah. It's so weird because, you know, this is Sam Mendes coming back, you know, like the 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 cinematography for the most part is is really gorgeous in this movie, but the the script just really suffered and I just kind of I I wonder like if they they tried to pick up all the toys and be like, "All right, we got to make this all connect." And they just didn't really you know, they could have taken more time to, to make it feel like a bigger threat. And like, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to course correct a little bit and, and make it work in the final movie. But I don't know. It just, if this was the big, you know, connectivity thing, there's just not enough there. Like I I would believe if Spectre was still around because like, yeah, really, it was so large. Like, you take out this one guy, that's it. Okay, now it falls apart. I don't know. Yeah, just if he's arrested. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I mean, it, it's really not even killing the he- cutting off the head. Just like put, putting a mask on the head of the snake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, it feels weird. I mean, I, part of me thinks it's just like simple things could have maybe like even helped this movie feel a little different and that you know like even a title a different title than just yeah might have helped even just the feeling i mean it's hard to argue with like the strip the script is just not really working uh it does need a little more punch up but i think just punch up could help this it's really not so bad that it's like completely off base there are just little things that they could have done to make it a little i think help uh, but it's some of it is not foreseeable. I think it is t- tough to go, you know, oh, we're going to connect everything and have them have cats and stuff and not realize, like, oh, well, this is actually, like, ridiculous. After 50 years, it's been, you know, joked about so many times. It's such a trope. 
You know, you don't necessarily know if those are going to be cool or if they're going to be ridiculous going in. You know, you're right. I yes, like you're you're taking a gamble, right? It's a gamble to to throw in the cat and to do the callbacks, you know, hither and yon because who knows, you know, each reference, right? There's been so many movies, you know, what, and, and I, you're, I, I like your, your point. If you had changed the, maybe the title of this movie to something different. So it's not setting up the culmination. Like, and I, cause I think that these movies are coming out in different times. Right. And they're a little reactionary, right? Like we know, you know, Mendez said like coming into Skyfall, Dark Knight was a huge inspiration for that. This movie is released in 2015, three years after, you know, Avengers is very successful. You know, they're starting to do these other, you know, franchise movies that have been going on for a while. Uh, and I think that they, a Bond is a little bit, you know, reactionary in some ways and that they try to kind of play a little bit of catch up to what's going on in pop culture and then integrate that into Bond. Like you see that with, a lot of similar plots between this and maybe the mission impossible movies, uh, and different feelings. I just never thought that they would borrow from Austin powers. Like I, I just never imagined that, uh, literally like a big, huge, like ticking time bomb on the side of this franchise that they would like go after one of the essential things. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like that's, I think the biggest problemo here. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I feel like they, this movie also has like a little bit more humor and is a little bit lighter, which like is, is good. But you know, if they're trying to make it feel like this big dark plot is coming from behind this, like this doesn't feel like when the Hydra reveal in, in winter soldier and like you're like the rug is pulled out from under you. It like, it's just like, yeah, the movie's called specter. It's, it's right there in front of you. They're calling the guy Franz Oberhauser. And then like, like I almost was waiting. I was like, wait, is Franz Oberhauser an anagram for, uh, Ernst Stavro Blofeld, like Voldemort. No. Cause like, that's what it felt like almost in a minute. Like it just, I don't know. It's a little bit too on the nose. Um, I hope they can recover. I really do. Also, like, when Bond is driving off in the DB5, like, is he retiring? Like, is that the implication of him leaving with uh, Swan? Well, oh, interesting. Well, looking at the plot uh, or the plot description for No Time to Die, it does say that Bond has retired. Oh, so I, I think so. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. So he's they're pulling him out of retirement, I guess. So and so that that car was that the one that was exploded in Skyfall? Indeed it was. How did they put it back together? Because it's the Batmobile, Frank. They've turned the DB5 into the Batmobile. Not why, but how? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I do not know. Hopefully it's because they have access to like legacy parts. Like you would like I guess in my mind I imagine like the DB5 has shown up in other Bond movies, right? That when Q designed the DB5, he secured enough spare parts, like how Alfred would have done in Batman Begins in like large quantities, so that you could theoretically repair them if Bond brought them back ever. Mm. But that's just my like wishful fan fiction. Interesting. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I don't know if I have much more to say on Spectre. 
Um, what about you guys? Kind of forgettable. I think it it definitely could. It I think the watch order could help it if you went Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Spectre, and then Skyfall. I think you'd enjoy all four Ooh. movies. Yeah, I guess the only thing you have to kind of forget is that M is dead in Spectre. Yep, I know. <laughs> Otherwise, but, it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. I you just know that. Yeah, uh, well, maybe that's true. And, and maybe you'll leave out, you know, Quantum of Solace, because this movie's definitely better than Quantum of Solace by far. Yeah, yeah Quantum of Solace sucks, right. Yeah, so you could buy the, you And uh, is it vital enough? I think you might... I, I kind of want to do that now anyway. That's right. what I want to do now that we've talked about it. And part of it is because of talking about, like, Mr. White and seeing those connections. Yeah. I think he's not in Skyfall. And so going, like, one, two, three, this character's in all three movies, those things will work really well or better anyway. Um, and then culminating with – and then you treat yourself to Skyfall as, like, a standalone uh, culmination – best of the bunch after all of them and so you basically you're opening strong and ending strong sounds like a great plan (laughs) we we like it uh yeah so uh we're gonna do bond ratings now uh these are our own rating system that we came up with for a score out of 100 um alex would you like to stay on and hear what we think of the ratings yeah sure i thought it was going to be out out of like Zero zero seven or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start off with uh, the opening sequence. I gave this a ten. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's awesome. Um, it definitely sets a great tone for the movie, where you're very excited about it. But uh, you know, <laughs> that it's, this is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I gave it an eight. Um, I I really do love it as well. Uh, but you know, the Skyfall one is just is so stellar that I you know. I really want to keep that one on top. <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay, moving right along. Plot. Uh, okay, uh, I gave this a five. Uh, I, you know, when thinking about it, like, I may have given this, like, a seven, um, but, like, there's two negative points on it for the Austin Powers connection, so I landed on a five. I gave it uh, a six. It's just, like... It, there's it's so light on plot and the, the things it does are just not that interesting and also like the last movie was about the like bringing the the mi6 out of the shadows and into the into the light and then they, like literally say the same thing in this movie with you know like we don't need agents anymore it, like it's the same thing it's not it's not even unique anymore <laughs> yeah and it's so forced yeah um to the good stuff. Uh, gadgets and car, we both gave this an 8. I like the... Uh, I love the DB10. I think it's a kick-ass car. I love that they had a car in this movie. Uh, you know, again, a very fun and exciting watch. What stuck out to you for this category, Frank? Yeah, I think uh, similar to last movie, like having simple gadgets, when they have the watch and he's like, really, that's it? and But it ends up proving to be pretty useful and like i don't know the, the time flies little joke is kind of fun <laughs> sure uh okay another great category for this film the bond girls i gave this movie an eight um because i think that it does introduce a really great character i wish she had more action sequences uh you think about like some of the stuff we saw in the Brosnan films like michelle yo 
and you know some of the stuff that uh is done in die another day with Halle Berry like they're given a little bit more to do fight scene wise and I think if she had done that I would have given her a higher score what do you Mm. think Frank I gave her an well I gave Bond girls a nine I I really do like her I think she like holds her own character wise I agree like she could probably have upped the fight scenes. I mean, she had some good moments on the train. Um, and then the other character that we didn't really talk about is the widow kind of at the start of uh, Skiara. And I oh, thought yeah. it was kind of notable that they had um, him like, it's like different than what he did in Casino Royale when he slept with the wife, like, or he didn't sleep with her there. Like she, he just like ghosted her <laughs> in yeah. this movie. He like, he actually gets what he needs from her. he, comforts her and sleeps with her and uh but she's also a bit older and i think that's kind of a a cool thing that the franchise was like yeah no he can he can be with an older lady it's cool he loves wives he said that you know earlier on in the franchise (laughs) uh that's one of his (laughs) turn-ons um okay so moving right along to villain i'm gonna give christoph waltz a six i think he's entertaining to watch on screen and you just want so much more out of him uh, I hope now that with his, you know, true to character scar and scary eye thingy, uh, that he'll be more menacing in the next movie or have something to do with it. Uh, and yeah, I, I wanted more. I, I expected Blofeld for the 21st century to be a real adversary, and I don't think that I got that. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, no, I gave him a seven. I think uh, he. He's an interesting actor. I think uh, they could have done so much more with him. Um, I think he's, you know, he's not quite as good as Silva or um, or Mads Mikkelsen, but like he, uh, I don't know. I like the personal connection. I'm and I'm hopeful. Like I probably would have knocked him down if he like was killed off here. Like, but knowing that he's coming back. Oh like, sure, maybe, yeah. Maybe they'll be able to redeem him a little bit. Oh, retcon, baby, retcon. Uh, Physical antagonists, we're both unanimous on this one as well. 10 out of 10 for Mr. Dave Bautista. Please come back. Please, please come back. You are awesome. Yeah. You don't you don't need to say anything in these movies to be a badass. Uh, and he definitely brought a real threat to Bond that I loved. He's such a beast of a man. <laughs> He's huge. To see him fighting against Bond is like, it's like, how did he survive? And it's kind of cool to see how scrappy bond was fighting against him and like ultimately for him to get like pulled off the train by the neck like the thing is like if if bond got pulled off that way he would totally live so that's why i'm like hinks has to live i'm just disappointed that like he's not listed in the uh the like the wikipedia page for no time to die maybe it'll be a surprise that would be great but yeah but they already ruined tamara morrison so yeah yeah, let's not be hopeful about that those idiots uh okay um, Bond performance. We both gave this an eight. Why did you give it an eight? I want to hear your reason first. Uh, you know, it's, he's, um, like Skyfall is just so fantastic that like, that was perfect that like, he's not at that level. And I think like some of the things that I was saying before, he has some more cheeky one-liners and, um, it just doesn't feel, I don't know. It's, it's a good performance. It's not my favorite of him. I think, I don't necessarily think that it's Daniel Craig's fault. I think maybe some of the writing isn't is as good for him. So I don't really, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad giving it much of lower score than that. So that's probably why. Ooh, that's okay. 
I give this because I think it's interesting to watch. Like we've seen Craig now through four movies, right? We've watched him in Casino Royale, where he's brooding. You see him in Juan Rosales, where he's really brooding. You see him in Skyfall, where he be like I think he takes on the mantle of James Bond in a way that the two films like they're not after, right? When we leave Skyfall, you see him, you know, looking over Britain like Batman. He walks into Mallory's office after passing through Money Penny. What's his next mission? He's ready to go. Like you're set up for that moment, and I think uh, Daniel Craig is an interesting relationship with how he plays Bond. We've been talking about this the whole time. The physical uh, toll that this takes on his body in each fucking movie. And how he continuously ups it, the the opening sequence in particular, hanging on the side of a fucking helicopter, he's a beast of a man. There's no, I, I don't take that away from him, but I wish it looked like he was sort of having fun in this film. And I think he he really looks pissed throughout the entire movie in this movie to me. He doesn't, it, it doesn't look as like in Skyfall, he's like, he knows the story's good. He knows the villain is good. He's like in it. He's, in, he's fully invested and he's, you know, being awesome. And like in this performance, like it's just, it's back to this brooding thing again. It's, you know, it's not, uh, you know, ever having, um, you know, uh, he's he's always like the fight the fighting and the, and the physical stuff he does are great he that's always going to be good with him but i wished he uh he that the movie was having he he the movie and everybody else involved was having a better time like and i think it comes across in him it, unfortunately it's yeah, a no, sludgy that, that, byproduct that makes, that makes a lot of sense I, yeah i think the, <laughs> we're coming at it from different angles but i think we yeah. have kind of agreement uh, okay, legacy, continuity, the relevancy. I'm gonna give this a six because this movie had a ton of that, a ton that they could build off of and places to go, and they didn't really do that. Yeah, I, I gave it a seven. I mean, when we were talking about Quantum of Solace, we we're like, okay, this is kind of the true first James Bond sequel, and so like this is kind of the the next sequel because Skyfall was, uh, you know, a standalone. Um, but you know. The continuity is there. I don't think the legacy is there. I don't. I don't think it's going to be as memorable. And like, hopefully, if No Time to Die, you know, is a, a strong ending, like Spectre is going to be probably pretty forgettable. So, um, yeah. Okay, two more categories, everybody. Hold on, we're almost done. Uh, special effects. I'm going to give this a seven. Uh, I think mainly because. While they are very awesome, I don't know if they're very memorable, as Alex had been kind of forecasting throughout the whole podcast. Uh, and, you know, it's just, uh, they're all great. There's a lot of practical stuff here, um, but I don't know if anything's super, you know, scene-stealing yeah. for me. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, going back to the the movie, like, after rewatching it, I really like the, the car chase. I like the... Uh, the plane sequence in with all the snow. I think that's kind of like classic Bond. Having him doing something in snow is really fun, um, and and those like explosions and things happening there were really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the weird explosion at the end where uh, at the base in the desert is kind of like oh that's a big explosion, but there, there's like really 
I forgot about it. It's like, okay, it's There's very There's no similar. weight to it. There's no weight to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks good, I think, but there are some uh, moments in this film that feel a little bit CGI that, you know, takes me out of it a little bit. So it's, you know, it's not perfect. All right, last but not least, the score and the song. I'm going to give this an eight. I think that they integrate the song nicely throughout the film. I like that they kind of keep up with the new Bond theme that they have, which can we talk about that for a bit? Which I think starts in like Casino Royale, right? It's the new like Daniel Craig theme in a way. Yeah, there is definitely a through line in in all of the movies um, uh, score-wise, which is cool that they have that and the classic Bond theme. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, no, I I like the song. Um, It's Maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too nice on it. I think it's good, but it's not like it's not super memorable. Like I think Skyfall is probably a better song, but I think the score works through the movie pretty well. Um, and, like they brought back that brass choir thing that I really like. So um, yeah, I gave it a nine. Um, so all in all, like this movie, you gave a seventy six. I gave an eighty. Um, kind of middle high of the C road. or a low B. Yeah. You know, not as good uh, score-wise as Casino Royale or Skyfall, but definitely better than Quantum of Solace. What do you think, Alex? Are we right on our scores about? I think you're pretty right. I mean, Skyfall is a phenomenal song. Uh, <laughs> <super> <laughs> great. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, you're right on most of these. You know, uh, the op- you know uh, certainly I wouldn't be far off. The opening's great. Everything else, most things are fine. The villain is not up to par. It's nothing else is like really a ten. Yes, to, to totally stand out. But yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I liked watching it again. It made me want to watch more Bond movies, which is kind of a big Bond thing. I feel like every time I want to watch a Bond, uh, watch a Bond movie, I just want to watch more. Well, you are in luck, my friend, because <laughs> well, there's plenty, but also. The entire franchise from 1962 until 1987 is on Amazon Prime, completely streamable. Uh, the Connery movies, the Roger Moore movies, and and the Dalton films, um, which is, I think, pretty cool. And the Pierce uh, Rosnans are all on Netflix. They yeah. Indeed, they are. Uh, so, yeah. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Thanks for having me. Um, would you like to plug anything and tell people where they can find you or find your stuff that you do? Uh, yeah, you can find uh, me at alexgrubard.com. I'm also at alexgrubard on basically everything. Uh, yeah, and Weeding Out the Stoned, if you want to uh, check out weedingoutthestone.com, we have a bunch of comics. They're all stoned except one, and we play some sobriety test games to try and figure out who the sober person is. Uh, we'll be back doing live shows, you know, when that's a thing, but we have, uh, stuff on our online and we're going to be debuting in June, uh, a second season of our show, our digital series, Cyber Sesh on our Facebook page. Uh, but those will also be up on YouTube teasers and up on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash weeding out the stone. So Google weeding out the stone. We come up. Awesome. That sounds really fun. I gotta check it out. Hell yeah. It's a blast. Yes. Uh, we'll talk some other time about Frank and our high intis days some other time. I'm not on the podcast. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, yeah, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in and listening. This has been the Long Lost Heroes episode on Spectre. 
you can find us online, www.longlostheroes.net. Uh, we're on all the major uh, streaming podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and of course, Apple. Um, you can find our social media at LLH Podcast pr- for pretty much everything. I'm AJ. I'm Frank, and uh, if you're listening to this episode, you know that this is episode 99 of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. So we're going to try to do something a little bit different and special for our next one, and then pick it back up with the rest of the Bond movies afterwards. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned, everybody. Thank you. Have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.